0: James, um, the market 's coming back for the summer break, looking at the u k. Um, how do you see the the macro
1: outlook Well, in the UK uh, GDP in Q two remember like fell minus twenty point four percent that was followed by two point two percent contraction in q one. The Q2 number marked the biggest fall in quarterly GDP on record and the second consecutive decline, so it put the u k into recession. Now, the economy did bounce back at the tail end of Q2. Shops reopened, factory at ramp-up production, and house-building kind of returned to sort of near-normal levels pre-pandemic. But despite that, the GDP in the monthly basis of June was still one-sixth below it was, say, in February, according to ONS's statistics. So... We've got this situation where're now towards the end of Q3, where we've just had the sharpest GDP fall of any of the G7 nations. So we suffered the most. However, we're now braced, so the forecasters say, for um, a record-breaking economic growth in the third quarter. And so we have this kind of unusual record of having the worst contraction, followed by the strongest rebound. And of course, this anticipated recovery is owed to like, such extensive government stimulation. Um, and the Bank of England monetary easing and also its financial uh, support to directly to industries. And it's, it's collectively these schemes have kept large parts of the UK economy on life support. And at the peak, the furlough scheme was actually paying the salaries of uh, 9.6 million UK workers. So the job retention scheme alone was estimated to cost the taxpayer between 16 and 84 billion pounds until the end of October. And then the two size-based coronavirus business interruption loan schemes, plus the very, very popular bounce-back loan scheme and the uh, Bank of England's corporate finance facility, which is targeted at uh, large institutions. These, these are the bread and butter of kind of why the economy has been able to, to do so well in Q3. Um, I mean, collectively, uh, these schemes, I did some calculations just earlier this morning, the government has already extended 70 billion across these loan schemes. And actually, the Bank of England's coronavirus corporate financing facility has already agreed uh, to additional undrawn facilities to UK corporate institutions with investment-grade ratings of a further 65 billion, which may or may not be used. Some probably will, but maybe not all of it. So that's at the the macro level. And there's also, in addition to that, there's been sector-specific schemes. I'm sure, uh, Richard, you've been a beneficiary too of the uh, Eat Out to Help Out discount scheme. And that's supported... 84,000 restaurants across the UK. So there's been 130,000 claims and that has cost the taxpayer a whopping 522 million pounds up until the end of August. That's according to government's own figures. And so all of this together, uh, is a crystallizing in sort of over the next month, much of these support measures are scheduled to taper off. And that's where we are. Notably, the big one is the, is the flagship furlough scheme. Uh, the UK government is under increased political pressure as well as uh, um, pressure from specific business sectors to extend the scheme. And you know there is some precedent for extending it. Actually, if you look a little bit around the world, we, we, could, we could be seen as, a, as an outlier as um, Australia, uh, Canada, France, Italy, Germany have all announced extensions at least until the end of the year, and for many cases, many, some of those countries into the new year. In the US, where politics is a little bit difficult to navigate in the lead up to the uh, November presidential election, the Treasury Secretary has uh, said to Congress that another stimulus package is needed there, so at least there's confirmation that something more needs to be done. So the UK looks to be an outlier, but having said so far that they plan to unwind as uh, always stated
0: and that's going to be particularly a concern in um, in areas such as retail, entertainment, and leisure. And obviously, then that has a big impact on the real estate side. Um, I mean, where do you see this heading,
1: James? The chancellor's decision on whether or not to extend is, is just another example of having to make a, a decision between the lesser of evils. On the one hand, the government does want to preserve viable, long term businesses and jobs that are unable to function normally because uh, the nature of their businesses are, are unable to operate profitably as a result of social distancing requirements consumer behavior changes broader depressed demand and and disrupted supply chains it's it's a combination of those in many cases. On the other hand, the UK economy can't indefinitely remain on government-funded life support. You know, so that the government has to make policy which balances, among other things, dissuading viable businesses from restarting and, and not to provide unintended cover for sort of zombie firms with long-term liquidity problems irrespective of the pandemic. So there is a balancing act. And what a lot of the trade bodies and business leaders are sort of intimating is that a possible um, third way rather than like complete stop or extension as the existing scheme is um, envisaged is to maybe specifically target the most vulnerable sectors and so the furlough scheme could be instead of uh, nationwide uh, all industries it could be specific hotspots for for, uh, sectors such as retail.
0: Great thanks Raj, it's going to be really interesting to see how this develops and of course we've then got Brexit coming into this mix later Um, but thanks very much James.